Hello and welcome to the Yarniacs podcast. This is episode 54, which we are recording on Wednesday, January 22nd of 2014. I can't believe it's already January 22nd <laughs> of 2014. And Charlene and I have been sitting here for about half an hour, 45 minutes chattering already, and we decided it was time to turn on the microphone. Yep, before the boys come into the kitchen for the next round of snacks. Yeah, we're recording on an early uh, release date from school Wednesdays. All of our kids get out of school in Santa Cruz County early, so the boys are here. Boo has made an appearance a couple times, and sorry for those of you who like the Boo appearance, but I'm guessing he'll be back before <laughs> we're probably done. probably will. Yeah. And I'm Gail, if I haven't already said. And I'm Charlene. And what are you wearing? I am wearing my Bianca's jacket by Michelle Rose Orne that I knit in the spring of 2012, so almost two years ago, about a year and a half ago. And this pattern was originally published in Interweave Knits in the fall of 2006. It was one of those patterns that didn't really catch my eye shall we say, originally in the magazine. And then one of my co-workers was wearing her gorgeous, gorgeous version of this sweater, which was actually knit out of hand spun, which of course added to the beauty of the sweater. <laughs> Naturally. Yes. And I decided that I loved the pattern and I had to make it. So I've, I made mine out of not such nice yarn. Mine is made out of a basic, really basic Norwegian wool. And as I'm sitting here, I'm noticing I have lots of pills on it. So this one needs to be depilled soon-ish, it looks like. <laughs> is that the same wool that was four skeins for a dollar and I made my Peggy Sue cardigan with it? The I don't think it was quite that in four skeins for a dollar. I'm sorry, four dollars a skein. <laughs> four dollars, yes. There we go. <laughs> Four skeins for a dollar. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be. Um, yes, I think it ultimately went on sale very inexpensively because it was not moving. And it's actually really nice wool. Yeah, it is. So it's kind of sad. Oh, and here's my, I noticed I fell asleep at some point one time. Here's my random pearl. I oh. Two random pearl stitches in an otherwise stockinette sleeve. Go figure. <laughs> That's my sweater. <laughs> But this pattern, I remember, I also changed it up for some reason, and I cannot remember the exact reason why I changed it up. I think it was knit in five pieces, according to the pattern, and then all joined together at the yoke. Two fronts, two sleeves, a back, and then all joined together at the yoke. And I knit mine top down. I don't, oh. I don't remember exactly why I changed it up, but I did, and it worked. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. I remember being just very uh, cavalier about it, too. I didn't write notes down. I just kind of like kept glancing at the pattern. Okay, start here, do this. <laughs> wow. I wish I was it brave was... enough to do that. Well, it's just yarn. <laughs> well, and it's also comfort level and experience too. I just, if I look at a pattern and see, oh, it's five pieces from the bottom up. Oh, that's just, that's just too much brain power. So I wouldn't think, oh, I should just knit it from well, the top down. And actually, I'll be honest, I think it was my laziness because I didn't want to sit there, mm -hmm. reverse engineer everything. I figured as long as I could get the patterned portion to work top down then the rest of it, I just make it fit. Yeah, it has a pretty oh. um, lace. It's like a stockinette lace. I don't want to call it stripes, but kind of striped yoke from the neck down. Right. Do the yoke. Stockinette alternated with garter. And like a lace, fan, yeah. feather and fan, yeah. like you know most lace, yeah. intermittent. And then it's stockinette straight down right. from there, except for the hem is garter stitch. The hem is garter stitch, and, and the then it's got cuffs. the cuffs have the repeat pattern. So, yeah, it was probably mostly just because I didn't want to sit there and re-engineer it. I just wanted to do it on the fly. And I still would be <laughs> I like, wanted to knit rather than sit there and yeah. write the pattern. <laughs> and I would have felt the need to re-engineer it to make sure I was going to do it right, and that would just be too much thinking for, you know, unless you're in the mood to do that much yeah. thinking, which... I seldom am lately. <laughs> I like the patterns that I can just look at them and go. I'm 
leaning towards that right now too because life is too complicated so I want easier pick up and knit exactly type of knitting yeah. these days that's the space I'm in I've heard a lot of people talking about the Ravel Linux and you know it's coming up and there's all yeah. the drama around it yeah. and I just keep thinking I am so I not interested in a challenge right now I don't need to feel yeah. pressured to finish a project yeah. that's challenging right now some you I know some former way. years I felt fine for a challenge yeah. this year not so much yeah we just have a lot going on right yep now. But what are you wearing? I am wearing my Easy Folded Poncho by Church, House Yarn, Church Mouse Yarns and Tea. And it is a fabulous little poncho that I've always wanted a poncho, but didn't think I'd ever really wear one. <laughs> but I do wear it a lot. And this is the one that it's knit all in stockinette, but I actually, every fourth row, threw in knit pearl, knit pearl. So it gives it a little bit of texture. And I knit it in a cotton blend yarn, which is really soft and comfortable. It's and cotton silk. I think you're right. Yeah. I should look that up. It's I can't remember the name of it right now. It is, is it Cascade or no? You'll I think remember. it was Misty Alpaca. There you go. Misty Alpaca Tonos. Mm-hmm. I want to say Tonos Worsted, but that's their al- wool alpaca blend. This, this is, is, here it is, Misty Alpaca Pima Cotton and Silk DK. Oh, okay. So the composition is 83% cotton, 17% silk. Yeah. And it is really, really nice. soft. Yeah, Very nice to work with. Yes, it is a fabulous yarn to knit with and a fabulous yarn to wear in a finished object. So eventually I will probably acquire more of this yarn. But... I really liked it. I used it to knit. Not one of my buttercups. Another short sleeve t-shirt that I made. Gemini? I can't remember. Yes, I think it was Gemini. And it's just lovely to knit with. It feels really good. It wasn't hard on the hands like some cottons can be. It was very, very nice. Yeah, overall, because of the silk content, it doesn't feel like cotton to me at all. It feels much softer Mm -hmm. than cotton. Not that cotton's rough, but cotton has that texture to it. yeah. Yeah. This doesn't have the cottony texture, so I love this little poncho. And the only drawback to a poncho, it's very difficult to wash dishes in a poncho <laughs> because it keeps wanting to flop into the sink. So versus that a, would be, yeah, yes. <laughs> a sweater, of course, you can always button it up or whatever, and it doesn't flop over into the sink, but you lean forward in a poncho and it just goes forward with you. So I don't recommend wearing it if you're cooking, especially over an open (laughs) flame, or if you're doing dishes. But otherwise, very, very useful garment. All right. What have you been stocking? I've been stocking a couple of things. I want to make socks for some reason. Even though I haven't been wearing wool socks every day, I've still been wearing wool socks occasionally. But I just want to make some socks. I haven't knit socks in a while. So I went to Ravelry's Hot Now list, and one of the one of the patterns that is very popular is Hermione's Everyday Socks. There are, let's see, 5,700, a little, more, a little over 500, 700, 5,700 projects knit from this pattern and they're gorgeous they're it's it looks like a really nice pattern it's a top down with a heel flapped so more of a traditional construction and I think it's a two pattern no maybe a four pattern repeat four round repeat and Tammy from Candy Skein knit a pair or maybe just one sock so far, I can't remember, (laughs) in her current monthly colorway called Confetti Cupcake. And boy, did that one catch my eye. I really like the Confetti Cupcake with this pattern. And Oh, it is very simple. For some reason, I expected it to look like the Hermione hat. Oh, no, 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 no. It's very different. Yeah, Yeah, very different. No, no. And so Tammy's sock came out gorgeous. So I think I'm going to knit one. Gail has had given me, uh, I'm holding it up, a skein of yarn for Christmas that's in a purple lavender and a really pale, pale, buttery yellow. And it's self-striping. And I haven't made a pair of self-striping socks in years and years. So I think I'm going to take the plunge and knit that pair. Yeah, those are super cute. And that is a free pattern on Ravelry as well. It's a free pattern, that's right. And I should say, Hermione's Everyday Socks 
a free pattern on Ravelry by Erica Luder. And if you look at her designs, it looks like she has quite a few free patterns available on Ravelry. So have a look. This one looks really fun to knit. Yeah. The next thing I am stocking is another pair of socks called the Owly Socks. <laughs> another <laughs> pair along the owl theme. You know, I, I love to knit those owls. And it's got that same owl motif that's on my sweater and the coffee cozies and the shawl. And it's just very cute. Oh, free, that's another, cute. Yeah, another free pattern on Ravelry by Julia Elswick Suckamel. And there are matching mitts, too. Oh, are there? <laughs> <laughs> very, very cute. Very cute. I think I've seen the mitts before. Yes, owly mitts. And I've thought about knitting those. And so... Once I've completed the socks, then I may be going down that rabbit hole as well. Okay, I have to ask you a question about socks. I've only knit a couple pairs myself, and I haven't worn them very often. And you knit me those really pretty um, oh, yeah. pink and brown variegated uh -huh. socks. Mm -hmm. Those have a pattern on the top, and I haven't worn them enough to know. But it seems to me that patterning on the top of your foot wouldn't be very comfortable inside a shoe. Do you feel it or do you not even feel it? You know, some people say they do. Some people say they don't. And there are all kinds of, yeah. Different I, I think of the different, I think the answer depends Based on the wearer. On because you can always switch and do the foot just plain stockinette mm -hmm. and just do the leg portion in the pattern. And different patterns are written to reflect that some patterns do switch to the stockinette foot and some don't yeah i'm looking it's, at the, it's a personal preference well i'm looking at the owly socks and they even have um several of them have beads for eyes yeah and that owl pattern goes all the way down the top of your foot yeah and i certainly wouldn't want beads I, on the top of yeah, my foot i wouldn't either i had already considered that and yeah. i probably would not put beads at all well, and the oh, owls, owls and the patterning go around the back of your heel, too, which to me, I think, I don't have sensitive feet per se, but I know I would feel that, like inside clogs or I can't think of when else I'd wear I think it socks. only goes around the back of the leg, doesn't no, it? No, it's down around the heel. The oh, blue ones, oh, if you scroll down that pattern page, yeah. Okay, well, there are different versions then, because if you look at another pair, the white pair that's up above mm -hmm. has they a traditional... Uh, oh yeah slip stitch heel yep with no owls yeah so, so you can mix it up according to your taste there are some people who even like to knit their socks reverse basically knit them inside out so you because they want the stockinette side next to their foot as yeah. opposed to the pearl bump I could see doing that for myself, too. If Although, you're really sensitive to yeah, that. Then if yeah. I look down, I don't want to look down and see pearl bumps in my <laughs> socks. So I would, well, it would be inside your shoe, though. That's true. So it but just like, depends. Yeah. My dance go clogs. You could see the top of yeah. the sock. So yeah. I don't know. What other shoes do you wear hand-knit socks with, you personally? Let's see. I have worn them with some of my boots, mostly my clogs. And then I have a couple other pairs that I can wear them with. But I think mostly slip-on clogs. Yeah, that seems to be the most... Oh, you don't... Not with the clogs that have the back. Mine don't... Mine don't have backs. Okay. My pair has has backs. The prof those, like the Dansko and Sunita professionals. Yeah, but I used to have all my clogs. You know, I went through... They, no, I do have clogs with backs, too. And I wear them with those as well. Okay. Yeah. I think what I need to do is I need a pair of sport weight socks because my clogs, there's one little edge on the inside of the arch of my foot mm -hmm. that kind of scrapes on my foot. Um, so when I wear them for a full day, it kind of makes my feet sore. Yeah. So if I had sport weight knit socks, I think that that would alleviate that little bit of irritation. Hmm. Yeah, or look inside your shoe and see if there's something you can... Re-engineer on your shoe yeah. to smooth it out. Yeah, Maybe that's what I'll do. Yeah. But anyways, that was just an aside. Thinking about socks and looking at those pictures yeah. made me wonder. But that's my second thing. It would be fun to knit more owls. 
always more owls. <laughs> and then the third thing I'm stocking is a sweater. A new design by Cecily Glowick McDonald called Nightfall. And she just released that. And the reason that I saw this pattern or that I even looked for it is because it's knit in a yarn that I happen to have in my stash, which is the Blue Moon Fiber Arts BFL Sport. Love it. And love I was, it, love it, love it. <laughs> exactly. And so I was looking for something to use up my yarn because I bought my sweater quantity at Stitches last year. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I want to get another sweater quantity. Well, if you want to get another sweater quantity, you should use the first yeah. sweater quantity first, right? <laughs> so I went searching for patterns and this one had just been released. And I really like it. It's basically a simple top-down sweater cardigan, I should say. But it has moss rib panels on the front. And as a lot of her sweaters are, it, this one, she has it designed with no clothes. I don't think she has any closures on it. She just wears it open. And I'm looking for more... A more substantial closure type sweater but I think that this sweater could easily have because it's very straight ribbed fronts I think I could easily install a zipper oh, and yeah. I think it would work just fine yeah, with this so sweater too. or even hook and eye closures yes exactly one of those two so that is one of the options for that yarn and I'm kind of stocking that but I, I'm kind of I have an old sweater that has a zipper that I always have an eye to replace and oh could this be a candidate I, it, this could be a candidate in fact i could even repurpose that zipper because that sweater's really on its last leg point. yeah <laughs> well you know before we turn on the microphone charlene and i were talking about what we might want to wear to stitches yes i know it's a month away but this, these are the <laughs> things we talk about and i wasn't sure what i should wear on friday but i think i'm going to wear my iron tunic which is the oh, blue right. moon fibers art BFL Sport. Oh, that's right. I think yeah. that would be a nice thing Something to wear. Something made out of yarn you purchased last exactly. year. Exactly. Would be fun. Yeah. Definitely. Well, that would be. Ooh, if I finish the lipstick pullover, everything I wear at Stitches would be <laughs> from yarn I purchased at last year's Stitches. How amazing would that be? Which means that I've almost knit up all of the yarn I bought at Stitches last oh, year, which makes can... me feel really good. It's like then... okay, I can buy more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, how about you? What are you stocking? Okay, I've not been stocking too, too much, but one thing I have been stocking is the Barley Hat by Tin Can Knits, and I oh, believe you've already knit, I knit one or one. more of these. That one is fun. Yeah. I like that one. Simple and fun. Well, and it's from the Simple Collection, and it's one of their free patterns in the Simple Collection, which is intended to be something that any beginner knitter could do. And I printed the pattern yesterday, and what I'm trying to do is use up some of my partial skeins so that I can put them in my knit meter before stitches because I'm kind of using Nicole's idea of a yarn bank and I can only buy up to as much as I've knit oh, or less. Okay. So I would like to use up some of my partial skeins and I have about a third of a skein of Cascade 220 Superwash, which would make a really nice child size barley hat. Just enough, mm -hmm. I think, for the infant size, actually mm -hmm. the smallest size. And those go from infant to adult sizes. So great hat for any age, and I think it's very cute on both males and females. Yeah, so it is. It's very useful hat. Plain pattern. enough that it can go either way. Yeah, I believe it's bottom up. It's a ribbed brim, and then the hat itself is stockinette, and one section of it is garter stitch. Yeah, it has a little garter stitch panel. Yeah, detail. And that's all. Yep, that's all there is to it. And I was looking for something very, very mindless to knit for my training class that we're doing next week. And that might be a candidate mm -hmm. or I think my either my log cabin squares or one of the next things I'm stocking. So I just mentioned that I would like to wear things two stitches with yarn I purchased last year <laughs> at Stitches. And we are going to be in two different booths. And one of those is Western Sky Knits. We're helping Kim and Heather set up their booth again on Thursday. We can't wait. We're so excited. And on Saturday, we're going to be in the Neighborhood Fiber Company booth helping Karita. So on Thursday, I want to wear Western Sky Knits yarn. Saturday, I want to wear Neighborhood Fiber Company yarn. So I have two sweater quantities in my stash of Western Sky Knits. One is the Polworth DK I've been talking about that I love and I want to knit 
the Braid Hills cardigan from Kate Davies with that yarn. Mm -hmm. So that's high on my stocking list. The second thing that's high up is another lipstick by Hohi Locatelli, but I want to do it as a pullover. I love my lipstick cardigan. I wear it quite often. And I have Western Sky Knits Magnolia Worsted, which is a merino cashmere nylon blend. And you may remember, I used most of that to knit a Julissa during our Colors of Fall knit along. I've never once worn the sweater because every time I put it on, I feel uncomfortable in it. It's fitted in a way that doesn't flatter me. And it's boat neck, and I don't like boat necks on myself. I thought when I was knitting it, it would be a high enough boat neck that I wouldn't be fussing with it, Mm -hmm. but I fuss with it. Now, she has two options for She does. There's a a deeper scoop neck and then the higher neck, which is the one I knit. But just for me personally, I don't like the fit of the sweater. So hmm. there that sweater sits in my oh, closet. That's too bad. Never With the gorgeous worn. yarn. It's beautiful yeah. yarn. So the I other know day. That feeling. Yeah, it's sad. You can't just let gorgeous yarn sit there. Absolutely. And I was texting with Charlene last week that it occurred to me, oh, it was because you said that I could order Malabrigo and Madeline Tosh through the oh, Swiss yeah. stitch. So it got me thinking, oh, I really want to knit the lipstick as a pullover. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I can repurpose a sweater that's already in my closet (laughs) and finally wear that beautiful emerald color yarn. It's called Night Forest, I think is the actual name. And that was dyed by Heather of Western Sky Knits. But I swatched for that this morning. I was doing a training class where I could knit mindless knitting, which was perfect for a swatch. I love this in stockinette stitch. So I'm definitely going to be casting on a lipstick very soon. It will go from stocking to work in progress well before we record next time. Well, it has to if I'm going to have it finished for stitches. Although lipstick is a pretty fast knit, but still. So I'm really excited about that. The yarn is so soft and happy too. Did you feel that? That's gorgeous. (laughs) Yeah, it's a tonal greens. It's like a forest that it tones down into an emerald. And oh, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's gorgeous, gorgeous yarn. So... Those are the three things I'm stocking. Okay. I'm super excited about all three of them. I'm so easily entertained. <laughs> so what are you knitting right now? I Gasp. am knitting in my hands right now my Hito Fude cardigan by Hiroku Fukatsu. This is my entry into the self-indulgent knit-along this year. And I am knitting mine in Western Sky Knits, again, Western Sky Knits, single ply fingering merino in the Dianthe colorway, which we raved about last episode, I Mm -hmm. think. Absolutely beautiful. And let's see, CG is also knitting this sweater and I'm a little bit behind her. She's already finished her ribbing and that's what I'm knitting right now and started on the skirt part of the sweater. So hopefully I'll be able to get more of this done. But it's just been a really easy, pleasant, wonderful knit. I'm enjoying it. Well, and I have to say that I've enjoyed the pictures of CGs that she's posted, her progress pictures. But seeing it in person, seeing Charlene's today, it was a perfect gasp moment. It was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so pretty. And I know I say that about everything, but... <laughs> Seriously, this color is just breathtaking. CG's color is similar to this. It is very similar. I think hers has a bit of orange in it. Maybe. If I remember correctly. And this is, like I just said last episode, it's like Coquette from Madeline Tosh, only Mm -hmm. better. (laughs) So, especially on this base, it's the single ply fingering weight from Western Sky Knits that's the same base as Tosh Merino Light and oh it's so pretty in this pattern. It's one and it's really one of my favorite yarns to work with. Me too. feels so good when I'm knitting it. The weight is perfect for a garment, for Mm -hmm. our climate. Absolutely. And the way this yarn takes the dye is very tonal. Yep. And even in, you know, just looking at a couple of inches, you see variation. It's very nice. It's beautiful. So I'm, I'm really happy with this. And then the second thing that I am knitting is another pair of those seamless Saloma slippers that <laughs> I believe I last episode, I think I said I had knit 10 so far. So this is my 11th. My mother's birthday is coming up. And when I gave her the pair for Christmas, she told me she wanted more. And so I am making 
her some more. Hey, <laughs> what a good daughter. So that's the other thing I am knitting. How about you? What are you knitting? Well, I'm working on my log. It's actually called the Learn to Knit a Log Cabin Blanket by her name is Stacy Perry. And I love this. It's an addictive knit. I've finished <laughs> two squares. I'm on my third, and I've determined that I have enough yarn to knit a six square version. So after I knit the squares, then you have to knit borders onto them and seam mm-hmm. them and everything. So I'm not even close to half, maybe a third of the way through. But mm. it's just so much fun to knit. Oh yeah. my goodness gracious. I don't usually enjoy garter stitch that much. I kind of get bored with it. But this is so much fun. You knit a strip, then you pick up stitches along <laughs> the next edge, knit another strip, and you just do it over and over and over. And it's so soothing. I just, like I said last episode, I see lots of these blankets in my future. I think it was Amy, Amy Yokohama, said that she knit, I think she said three of these in 2012. She got addicted to the oh, pattern wow. as well. So it's just... I don't know. There's something about it that's so lulling. It doesn't lull you to sleep. It's just the perfect zen knitting. Yeah. I mean, I can read and do comfort this at the knitting. same time. That's yeah. what I always call it, comfort knitting. It's fabulous. So I highly, again, highly recommend the pattern and the video that goes with it. And it's a free pattern. And you can use it to get rid of scraps or anything else you want. So, And this also has a lot of sentimental meaning to me. So I'm enjoying knitting it and You know, sometimes when you knit certain things, you're knitting a lot of intention into it and a lot of, you know, love and things like that. So this is definitely qualifies as one of those. It will be a gift. And I'm also knitting still the Summer Festival Cardigan, which is a pattern by Georgie Hallam. And I'm really enjoying that. I'm using Woolmise Lace Garn in a beautiful purple colorway. And that is really fun to knit too. I'd say that as far as fingering weights go, it's a light fingering. Heaven, that yarn is heaven. I say that a lot, I know, but seriously, <laughs> I every time I pick up that gigantic skein, I've, so the sweater is a top down. I've knit to probably under the waist now, so I don't have much left to go on the body. I've started the pockets, so now I have to go from the pockets down and do the bottom ribbing. And I still have probably well over half of the skein left. I mean, it doesn't even look like it's any smaller than when I started. Wow. But it's so soft and the colors are so pretty. It's a huge pretty. ball, though. It's like 1,700 yards yeah. of yarn. So highly recommend the yarn, enjoying the pattern. I am modifying it a little bit. The pictures of the pattern or the, the actual pattern pages on Ravelry show what she calls the carousel lace. It's little circles of lace. And in the pictures, they begin right near the pocket on one side of the front. It's asymmetrical. It only has that detail on one side. But in the pattern, that carousel would start more at the, the side of your waist and move around the back. So I did modify it so that it, the finished sweater would look more like the pictures as opposed to the pattern. And I did look mm-hmm. at some of the other finished projects, and they do have the carousel starting. Oh farther from the pocket Uh so I just like the look better of having it right out the pocket so I did modify that and I think so far that may be the only modification that I've made but it's a really relaxing knit very fun uh it is going slowly because it is like fingering Mm -hmm. yarn so there's a lot of stitches going on but it's okay it's fine I'm enjoying it and the last thing I'm doing is my brickless shawl by Martina Bem which I mentioned the last episode I'm using Miss Babs Yowza What a Skein in the Deep Sea Jellyfish colorway, which is super <laughs> happy. And that one, I'm just cruising along on that too. I pick it up when I get bored with the other two projects, and it's just super fun because it changes constantly and the color changes in your fingers constantly. And it's they're all three are just wonderful knits. I'm super, super happy with my knitting right cool. now. That's a good, it's a nice feeling. There's no obligation knitting. There's no right. knitting that for some reason has some kind of negative connotation yeah i don't want to call it stress attached to it but you know what i mean just like oh i just have to finish this project i don't have anything like that and it feels really good (laughs) so that's what i'm knitting what have you well i know what you finished you've got to show tell everybody else i almost said show she's showing me again (laughs) i have finished my hogwarts express shawl and i actually 
finished this, started and finished it between episodes. I think last episode I may have mentioned it, or a couple episodes ago I may have mentioned it, because I have been stalking this one for a long time. She cast this on and finished it, and I never even knew she was knitting it. <laughs> I, it, it was a, for me, it was a pretty fast knit. I, I started it on the 15th and completed it on the 19th. Wow. And see, one skein of Neighborhood Fiber Company Rustic Fingering, Let's see, I took almost the whole skein, 0.97 of the skein. And those are bigger than normal skeins, right? I used 458 yards. Okay, that's what I thought. And let's see, it's a gray, I can't remember. Charles Center, I think. Circle? Center? One of those. And little purple and white clear beads for the eyes I alternated. And I'm very happy with it. I haven't actually com- totally completed it. I need to block it out, weave in the ends, that kind of thing, to make it wearable. But the knitting portion of the garment is done. I just so. looked it up. It's the Charles Center color. Okay, bag. thank you very much, Charles Center. It is precious. It is yeah. such a cute knit, and her alternating purple and silver eyes are so, <laughs> so, 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 so cute. And for those of you that are keeping score, this is actually the second garment that I've knit out of this yarn. I knit the pendulum shawl previously, ripped that out because I never wore it a single time, and the yarn was much too pretty to leave unused. And I wanted to have it for stitches, as Gail mentioned. We will be in the Neighborhood Fiber Company booth on Saturday of Stitches West this year. So I wanted to have something to wear that's made out of Corita's yarn. That's a a very, very perfect FO to wear at Stitches, too, because it gets pretty darn warm. It can, yeah. In the the conference or convention center, so. Yeah, and let's see, that is the Hogwarts Express pattern by Susan Ashcroft. Great pattern. Yeah, it is. And then last episode, I had started a hat just to have a hat to knit, and I also finished that. But that is all I have finished. How about all? you? All? That's, That's quite a bit. <laughs> I've only finished one thing. I finished my Title Sands cowl, which is a pattern by Ann Hansen, and I used a yarn from Spirit Trail Fiberworks. It's their Suna base, which is a merino cashmere silk base, which is heavenly. And it's actually so close to the same color of my Western Sky Knits that I was just (laughs) describing that it's remarkable how similar they are in color. And the cowl is beautiful. It's completely reversible. And it's kind of, it's knit in the round and it's alternating stockinette versions of the lace and garter versions of the lace so you can look at it from either side Mm -hmm. and it's reversible it's really really pretty and the yarn is heavenly so i love that fo my son actually said the other day wow mommy that looks really pretty with your hair and i've never ever heard him compliment me wearing anything green before ever so See? that was remarkable yeah it's like oh boy okay i knew Max that. approved <laughs> i knew that color would look good on you well i always hoped but like you've all heard my mother-in-law has been trying to get me to wear green forever but she always wants me to wear like khaki green or you know like oh, army fatigue green. green yeah which mm. Kind of makes of me dry. depressed. Yeah. yeah, I just colors like that actually affect my mood. So oh. this deep, deep foresty green. So that's the one thing I finished. So I know we wanted to talk about buttons today, don't we? We do. And let me get my notes. Charlene and I were brainstorming. We don't have any swatching to share with you today. So we were trying to think of something somewhat educational that we could talk about. And Charlene had the brilliant idea of talking about buttons because almost everyone even if you don't knit a sweater buttons are often used for decoration on things like hats or even sometimes fingerless gloves and things like that so buttons just seemed like an interesting thing to have a little short chat about yeah and we had i had run into a situation where i had a customer come into the store with a button issue and she had chosen a button that perhaps really wasn't optimal for her garment but of course had fallen in love with the button as often happens when we are looking for buttons. 
And so we were sitting around trying to brainstorm some ideas for how she could make this button work for her. And so that kind of gave me the idea that... That was my needle. Oh, okay. <laughs> that gave me the idea that let's have a little chat about buttons. So two types of buttons, shank and then the sew through buttons. The shanked buttons are the ones that have the little sew through hole or loop. on the back yeah. on the, or loop yeah on the back sometimes made out of the same material as the buttons sometimes you'll see buttons that have a metal shank on them so those are shanked buttons and then the sew through buttons are just the ones that are probably more common that you see made out of plastic all kinds of material and they have two or four holes on them and you just put your needle right through the holes to sew them on those are sew through buttons and tell them about the experience that you had at work the other day. That was super interesting. So you said someone fell in love with buttons that weren't optimal. They for weren't her optimal because they were shanked buttons and they had a rather large shank. And it's not that you cannot use shanked buttons on sweaters, although you do need to be wary of the weight of buttons for sweaters. But I think the weight, these were plastic, so they weren't particularly heavy, but they did have a really large shank. So usually when you have a shanked button, it's to provide some space between the button and the fabric so that if you have thick fabric, when you button your fabric, there's space there for that fabric. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I if you it? have your think button Think of a side. pea coat yeah. that's really thick. Go. And then when you button it together, you have to have space underneath that button for the opposing side of fabric to fit underneath the button. Yeah, that Does makes that sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So her, this shank was very tall. I thought it was very tall. So its purpose probably would have been for a thicker fabric. And her knitted fabric was not that tall. And so we were sitting around and brainstorming, and a couple of us thought maybe what she could try was using a smaller diameter shanked button as a backing button and kind of sewing, offsetting the shanks a little bit and sewing them at the same time so that they kind of form a little gap for the fabric. I'm not sure if I'm describing that properly, but if you take two shanked buttons, hold them together, shank to shank, a little offset, that's the idea, except with your fabric between them. Now, with that scenario, you just mentioned that the weight of your buttons is something you should think about. It, you said that the buttons themselves weren't too heavy for the garment, but if you added a second shanked button to the back to offset the depth of the first shank, what does that do to the weight of a sweater? Well, yeah, you have to make sure your sweater can support that weight. And that was one of the things that I had written down for choosing buttons. So if we want to talk about choosing buttons, the fabric weight and the button weight are two things that you really have to take into consideration. You cannot put a heavy shanked metal button on a very lacy garment. It's just not gonna hang properly and there's nothing you can do to, to make it fix work. it if right. you fall in love with it. That's just not an appropriate kind of button. You need to find a button that's gonna be suitable for your fabric weight and the button has to be of the appropriate weight in, in mass, actual weight, so that it doesn't hang distort things, distort right? the fabric right. when it's hanging there thank you very much yeah, um, i'm thinking of like a a heavy button especially a shanked button hanging off the front of a fingering weight sweater you know it's the fabric isn't going to support that button the button right. is going to hang off of the fabric pulling your pulling stitches the fabric yeah. distorting the fabric yeah, i like the way you said that yeah That's it won't clear. look good it right. will look distorted and second it's going to affect the shape of the sweater and your button bands for sure Right. Another thing to consider when selecting buttons, contrasting or matching buttons. Different look. Yeah. Totally different look. Also, contrasting or matching thread can make your buttons look different or your garment look different. 
purposefully mismatching buttons is a really nice look, I think. Sometimes, I totally want to do that. <laughs> sometimes getting buttons that go together, buttons either along a theme because they're in a shape, or maybe buttons that are all the same color, or all shell buttons, something like that, but all different colors are some, somewhat matching, but purposefully mismatched. That's a fun look too. I always like that when I see that on the sweater. When I was little, I remember I had a lot of store purchased cardigans that would always have either, I think it was a larger button on the bottom and the top. I don't see that. Maybe I because I don't look at sweaters in stores that often. I don't think I I've don't. noticed it, but I don't look at sweaters in stores. Very yeah, often but I've, I, I remember seeing that, and I think that must be so that those two buttons are may, perhaps more secure because those would be the buttons that get the most stress at the mm -hmm. top and bottom. So that's another option if you wanted to do somewhat mismatched. You can always put buttons on the somewhat different buttons on the top or the bottom, that kind of thing. I think I've done that on one of my sweaters. Yeah, I don't think I've used, I haven't yet done the purposefully mismatched, but I really want to. I just yeah. have to find the right sweater yeah. to do it. I think I did it on one sweater because they didn't have enough of the button that I wanted mm -hmm. and they were only short one or two so I made it work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the construction of the button is something else that is really important too. I have seen there's these really cute buttons that have pictures of nursery rhymes and animals and cowboys, dragons, all kinds of things. But they, and, and people are drawn to them because of the pictures, but the button itself is very rough and I shouldn't say rough, it's textured along the edge. And because of that texture, it doesn't really make it a good choice for a wool garment because time and time again of buttoning and unbuttoning and rubbing your wool against this textured edge on the button, it's going to wear through your wool. Well, I actually, my summer dawn, I made a poor button choice because they have that same type of etched in, it's not a pattern, it's a pattern, it's not like a picture per se, but mm -hmm. I can feel it when I'm buttoning my sweater, and that's Tosh Merino light yarn, so it's a very, you know, it's a single Thin. ply, you don't want to yeah. be tugging on that yarn, and I feel it catching on the buttons every time, Ooh. and every time I think, oof, lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, so just pay attention to that little detail you want something especially on your 100% wool sweaters wool does wool wear wool what will wear through if you can constantly rub it with something that's metal or plastic a hard object. or rough yeah. yeah 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 something that'll catch on it and there are some buttons you know if it's not intentional every once in a while you'll find a button that just has um a deformity or a not a deformity but just it's not manufactured it's not smooth you can take a nail file to most oh, buttons true, like yeah. that and just try to smooth it out a little bit so that's an option too do you have a favorite type of button other than the shell buttons yeah. i always <laughs> reach for almost always 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 gravitate i towards always shell go buttons. for these shell buttons i guess they're abalone maybe or they can't mother of pearl or something. Yeah. yeah and i always go for those in colors and yeah the, they have the plain them now ones vivid vivid colors like bright red and bright blue and bright purple and yeah. i find i if i had to pull out all the sweaters in my closet i probably have 50 percent of my sweaters <laughs> have buttons I, like they, that you know they just they go nicely they're all somewhat different so they're not perfect I yeah, like they have that like the natural, them. natural There's variation. Natural to them, variation yeah. to them, and they're really lightweight, yes. which I like. I think yeah. that I think I just really tend to go for the very lightweight buttons. My so. other favorite ones are coconut. I love the coconut oh. buttons. They're also very very lightweight. You can find them in many many different colors. You can find them lacquered or unlacquered. You can find them with patterning on them. I have quite a collection of large diameter coconut buttons that have 
like pretty flowers on them or things that are just meant to be accent buttons that are beautiful on hats and things like that. And I'm a somewhat of a button collector. Every stitches I seem to walk away with more buttons <laughs> that don't get used. But I love buttons. And someday someone's going to go through all of my things and find like buttons everywhere. Well, I love buttons too. And I think the reason I love buttons is because I remember as a child my mother and my grandmother's button jar. See, that's so neat. <laughs> so buttons, my mom and my grandmother were both really brilliant seamstresses. My my grandmother doesn't sew anymore, but she was just a fabulous, fabulous seamstress. And my mom still sews, not as much, but she had these button jars, which it was my favorite thing to play with oh, as a kid. You know, now yeah. kids, nobody wants their kids to play with buttons. It's just well, little tiny kids, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. But little tiny kids used to play with buttons. Yeah, so. that's true, that's true. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved the button jar. And my mom has since given me some of the buttons that she still had that I remembered as a kid. And oh, I don't know if I'll ever find a garment that's special enough to use them. <laughs> well, but you should because that's the cool thing about buttons is you can reuse them. Yeah, you and know, these okay, buttons... I don't like that garment anymore, so I'm going to salvage buttons the buttons. These buttons hold a real sensory memory for me visually texture wise i just i remember them so well might make you happy to have them on yeah the it might so well, those are probably my favorite buttons Cindy <laughs> mentioned in the thread the other day cozy couch that she found something at a thrift store that she bought just to salvage the buttons and my oh, friend yeah. melissa does that same thing i have She'll, done that before yeah. too so that's another way to find some pretty cool buttons mm -hmm. because those are like the vintage button finds, I think, because you don't really see good vintage buttons in most places anymore. I think at Stitches, we kind of have the the luck of some of those vendors do have vintage buttons. But, but the real vintage buttons are expensive. Yes, they are. Mm. They are. But sometimes it's worth it, depending on what kind of look yeah, you're going exactly, for. Yeah, exactly. I, I went through a phase of being astonished that I might spend you know, 20 or more dollars on buttons for a garment. And I've kind of moved beyond that to, if it's going to make me that much happier to wear the garment because I fell in love with these buttons, well, what the heck? I mean, I can use them again for something. And I don't know, I've kind of gone a different route with that. Do you have any recommendations for how people, the best way to sew a button onto a garment? Well, we talked about the different ways you can secure a button. Uh, obviously, sewing, hand sewing. Some machines will sew buttons on for you these days. I have not tried that, and That's I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I would try it on a knitted garment. But the option is there, mostly I believe, for fabrics, woven fabrics, backing buttons are an option. Backing ribbon is an option. As I mentioned, if you have a big shanked button, you may like to try the shank to shank option. Did we mention, I've seen sweater, oh, I talked about sweaters when I was little. I also remember seeing decorative ribbon on the outside of a sweater. That would be cute. I think that would be so cute. If you have a really fancy little ribbon and you want to show it, I think you could put that on the edging of the outside of a sweater. I think that would be a really cute option that for some, cute. especially little kids' sweaters, mm -hmm. but not limited to, Not certainly not limited to. I think that you can do it very nicely on an adult sweater as well. Well, and to go back to backing ribbon and backing buttons just for a moment, because I never, I'm not, I don't have a seamstress background. So when I heard that term the first time, backing buttons, I had no idea what it meant. So basically what that means is that you're taking a smaller diameter button and putting it behind the fabric so that when you sew the main button, the public facing button on, you sew the backing button, which is in the inside of your garment, on at the same time. And that, what is the purpose of that? Just to help secure your button and have it look nicer, lay nicer. I think it will cause the button to lay flat. And is there any kind of recommendation for whether it's better to 
use a backing button for lighter fabric garments like a fingering weight sweater versus a worsted weight sweater? Is it always recommended or it's just personal preference? I think it's just personal preference because you it's it's one of those things that you can't put too much weight on a lightweight garment. So you have to you have to use a lightweight button for a lightweight fabric. And if you can find the lightweight backing button, then you can probably do that. Yeah, I did that for Audrey and Unts that I just finished. I used a very small clear button as the backing mm-hmm. button because that's <clears throat> again that's Tosh Merino light so <clears throat> excuse me it's a very light fingering weight yarn and I was worried that the buttons themselves would distort the button band a little bit so I did sew on oh. the backing ribbon so grow grain ribbon and then sewed the buttons on after the ribbon with the backing buttons behind it yeah and there were would... some great tutorials online for how yeah, to do those yeah exactly N- neither Gail or I are seamstresses like she mentioned and there's probably a lot better information but we'll just give you something to think about and then if something really catches your interest you can research it and let us know what you find out. (laughs) I can't recommend highly enough the idea of using the back and backing ribbon and backing buttons though especially on those lighter weight sweaters because it really does make the button band far more substantial and durable I've found the other fingering weight sweaters that I've knit without that they still function just fine but Mm -hmm. they don't feel to me nearly as sturdy like Mm -hmm. when I'm buttoning them they feel kind of flimsy almost Mm -hmm. and I'm worried about pulling the fabric and distorting it whereas if you have a backing button and backing ribbon in place it's firm, it's solid, and it holds the shape much better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's worth the, you know, it does take some extra time, obviously, for your finishing, but for me, it's been worth it. And plus, I really love, love, love the effect of having some really cute grow grain ribbon yeah. inside. <laughs> Max yeah. noticed that when I was wearing Audrey Nunce the other day. He yeah. said, oh, come here, I want to see those cute little owls. <laughs> so that was funny. And then something else to keep in mind, if you do have a really thick fabric. Now Gail was talking about having a thin fabric, but the opposite, if you have a really thick, like a worsted or an Aran or even a chunkier fabric, and you choose a, a shankless button, a regular button that you sew through, you may not have space to button your thick fabric through. Like and that peacoat example that you exactly, said Exactly, exactly. Right? And so what you'd want to do is you'd want to sew on your thread, sew on your button with some kind of a spacer between the fabric and the button. Slide in a piece of cardboard a or knitting a knitting needle mm-hmm. would be a good option. Toothpicks, something that will give you a little bit of space. So you're basically sewing in a threaded shank onto your garment so that you have space for that chunkier fabric to fit underneath the button. You'd sew it on, have your little, have your spacer in place, then remove your spacer and then your button would kind of flop. And what I usually do when I've had to do that in the past, then I'll take my thread and just wrap it around a couple times to keep all those threads together and you have kind of a thread shank. I don't know if there's a proper term for that. There may be in sewing. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, I've, that's another mistake I've made in the past is to knit a, a button on very snugly. So sew it's a really, that's what I meant. Sew a button on so it's really snug up against oh, the fabric and of my sweater. And then when you try to button it, there's no, no room space, for the fabric. Right, for that yeah. fabric to go underneath yeah. the button. So yeah. I appreciate knowing that thread shank idea. I will definitely be using that in the future. (laughs) And then speaking of thread, I remember this from quilting. I was never really a quilter, but my mom dabbled in quilting for a while. And I remember something about choosing threads. And the example that I remember was something about not using a silk thread on a softer fabric. And I... I guess. I don't remember the example exactly, but in terms of our craft, the softer fabric would be the wool. And so I would think that you may not necessarily want to use a strong thread, something like silk, which is a really long, strong fiber, 
on a soft wool. I'm not sure if that would have any effect. I don't think it would have any effect in the short run, but maybe after years and years, it might actually wear through a strand of wool. Oof, that yeah. would be sad. Yeah. Then not so only would your just... button be gone, you'd have to repair right. the yarn part, the knitted right. part. Like I said, I, I have never experienced that. It's just something that I remember from quilting. So if anybody has any more information or experience, with that you might want to chat about it in the th in the Ravelry group in the thread for this episode and let us know yeah, what you have experienced that would be I great because I know we do have some seamstresses in the group exactly <laughs> yeah I've I find that my best luck with button shopping to switch to shopping for buttons because I love to shop for mm -hmm. buttons <laughs> we have a fantastic fabric store here in town called Hearts Fabrics that has an amazing button selection we're really lucky so it's really nice if you can to be able to bring your finished garment to the buttons and you can then lay your garment down and put the buttons on it and see how they're going to look and you can actually I often will you know put them through the button hole and make sure they're going to fit properly and that's a good way to check if the texture of the button's going to snag your yarn or you know eat away at your yarn like Charlene was mentioning. Well, and that's an interesting point right there you often make your buttonholes before you pick your buttons. Mm -hmm. I like to have my buttons before I make the buttonholes. It doesn't always, well, I guess it usually works out that way. That's just an interesting observation. Most patterns will tell you what size button you need, so... It, I guess it would work either way, but but I've found we all work past, in our own ways. <laughs> it's true. I've found in the past though that you knit according to the pattern, and the pattern says to get a certain button size. But then the actual garment, the buttons don't fit very well through that hole. I and I often want a different size button than what mm -hmm. the garment designer has specified, either because I want a button that I feel is more proportional to the fabric or to the garment. Or you fall just in love with something different. Something different, yeah. yeah. That that will often. So happen. having your buttons before you actually knit the button holes is good because then you can actually adapt the buttonhole to the size of your button, right? As opposed right. to just following the pattern specifically, right. you can. There are many, many, many different buttonhole construction options out there. Yeah, we won't get into buttonholes right yeah. now. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation yeah, because there are some is. that I really don't like and some that are just fantastic. So. That's a different conversation, but it's something to consider when you're choosing your buttons. You know, if you have those buttons before it's time to do your button bands, which actually that's actually what I most often do is I have the sweater at hearts before I knit the button band. Oh, okay. So, so you have the body, but yeah. you haven't done the button band. Yeah, like Audrey announced, I, I had those buttons before the button bands. Yeah, I did because I had to go pick out the ribbon and stuff, so... But I think I have a, a pretty nice button collection at home, but it's inevitable that when it's time to pick out the buttons for a garment you're actually sewing, the buttons don't ever work. It's ridiculous because I have beautiful buttons, but they never seem to work. You have so. the wrong quantity yeah, or something. Or they're too big or yeah. they're too heavy or ugh, it's kind of silly. Yeah. Because I would love to use some of my buttons. They're so, so pretty. And then speaking of button sizing, I found some interesting trivia that actually I remember learning about when I took sewing in high school and it's about button sizing buttons are sized in a term known as leans it's spelled l-i-g-n-e-s it's a french word yep. and Gail and I had to look it up to see why buttons were sized that way and what we found is that this term sizing or the use of sizing buttons in leans predates the French adoption of the metric system. <laughs> so it was their arbitrary so, button size Yes, and buttons are still sized. If you find, sometimes you can see plastic sheets in button stores that have button sizing on them. And what the this is used for, it's to size your button. So when you go to your machine, you pick the correct size button hole but you can also use you can lay the lay your button down on top of this to size your button and 
it'll have the button size in inches, in metric, and then sometimes it has the button size in leans, which is interesting because it's just this arbitrary number. I don't even that, think it's on the button packages anymore. I, it I mean, may not be. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember ever it's, seeing it's it. It's an arbitrary number that, like I said, apparently was adopted before the adoption of the metric system. Well, and Very, when, very interesting. When Charlene first proposed that we talk about buttons, I, I wrote down on my show notes, not the buttons, not the gumdrop <laughs> buttons. That was the first thing I thought of. The little gingerbread man when he was being tortured in Shrek and they were pulling <laughs> off his buttons for some reason that popped right into my head. So, so I think that's all I have to say about buttons. Yep. There too. is a lot more to that conversation and consider this just food for thought. Food for thought. Hopefully it will just get us all thinking about ways to improve our garments and our accessories. And if you have more to add to this conversation, join us over on Ravelry and pop in and let us know because we all would like to learn from you if you have yeah. more information. I'd love to learn more so yeah. that I can be a better button chooser. <laughs> so a couple things we did want to talk about to wrap up the episode. The self-indulgent knit-along is in full swing and it's so much fun. The chatter is just off the charts fun to read and I decided to unplug this weekend and didn't turn my computer on basically for two and a half whole days. I turned it on Monday morning. There were 150 posts. It was like, oh my goodness gracious. So thank you everyone for your participation. And regarding your finished objects, in the finished objects thread, please do make it one post per person. So if you finish more than one self-indulgent project, that is awesome. But please put them all in the same post. So on your post, you can just click the edit button and then you can continue to add additional things using the edit feature. And please do try to remember to not put chat messages in the FO thread. We're all, we've all done it where we get so excited seeing someone's <laughs> FO that we just click reply right away. Yeah. But please do try to keep the chatter in the actual chatter thread so that it's easier when we pick the prizes. And I haven't announced the prizes yet but we're working on that. And the final day is March 20th, which is the longest, shortest day of the year? No. Solstice? No, that the longest spring and shortest equinox. are winter equinox. and summer. Okay. So it's the spring equinox. So that will be the last day of the knit along is March 20th. So again, thank you for participating so far. It's really, really fun to see all the projects works in progress, the FOs. We already have over 25 finished objects. I can't imagine. That's so impressive. How is everybody finishing I so know. quickly? It's January 22nd, and there are already more than 22 Well, FOs. good for them. That's Excellent. great. Excellent. Yeah. And the other thing we wanted to wrap up with, this is officially the start of our third year of podcasting. Woohoo! Yeah, we started in January of 2012. So here we are starting year three, which we're really excited about. And... One thing we wanted to do as like our own podiversary request is to ask you, if you don't mind, to leave either a star rating or a review for us in iTunes because Charlene and I basically don't like to ask for things. So we've never asked for this before, but I was poking around on iTunes the other day looking for other podcast ideas. And if you've ever noticed, you can click on someone's podcast link. And when you scroll to the bottom, you can see a list of other viewers who subscribe to this podcast also subscribed to, and you can see a list of other podcasts. And I use that to get ideas for mm-hmm. podcasts to listen to and to watch. Too. And I was scrolling through and I kept thinking, why aren't the Yardiacs ever listed? <laughs> why don't we ever show up? Oh no, we have a lot of listeners. Why don't we ever show up? And what I finally determined is it's because we don't have very many star ratings or reviews on iTunes. All of the ones we do have are excellent. We appreciate them all, but we're actually hoping for some more so that we can boost our own ratings on iTunes and see ourselves you know, linked to other podcasts more frequently and to see our, our podcast pop up on the, what is it, most common page, or I don't know, whatever yeah. the page is in iTunes yeah. where you click and it shows you the top. 100 or whatever it is so if you don't mind doing that for us we would really appreciate it we would thank you very much like gail said i really hate asking but just this once yeah it would be super fun (laughs) we won't ask every episode yeah increase in in itunes popularity so thank you for that and thank you 
for being listeners for the last two years. We really, really appreciate that. It makes us super happy to podcast and be part of this community and get to meet some of you occasionally. And hopefully at Stitches coming up, we get to meet some more new people. And it's just a super fun thing for us to do. And we really appreciate you as listeners. And Stitches West, we will be with Western Sky Knits on Thursday. And then we will be in, it's going to be actually a grouping of three yarn dyers, Neighborhood Fiber Company, Dragonfly Dragonfly Fibers, fibers, and Cephalopod. Cephalopod. They will all be in the same vicinity there. And we will be there on Saturday and there will be a drawing for a prize on Saturday, I believe about four o'clock. Yeah, and we're supposed to be in the booth at four. You can come by and see us then. Yeah, the that's Club Awesome. That's Karita's right. Neighborhood Fiber Company, Dragonfly Fibers, and Cephalopod Yarns. And Cephalopod and uh, Neighborhood Fiber Company, I've seen both of those in person. I have never yet seen Dragonfly Fibers. I do have some in my stash, but I've never seen a display of their yarns in person. So I'm really excited about seeing them for the first time. And what we're what we're doing is kind of the local podcasters are supporting this little trio of Club Awesome. So throughout the Stitches weekend, there will be other podcasters there also picking prizes and saying hi to people and yeah it'll be really fun so if you're there on saturday around four please stop by and say hi i believe one day jenny and nicole of stash and burn will be there i can't wait to meet them i feel like a total fan girl (laughs) and then one day barb and tracy of two new lit chicks will be there yeah so So it's gonna be fun i know i'm super excited and there should be I think Barb and Tracy are still planning some kind of podcast meetup, which is basically just come hang out in the Hyatt Hotel bar for a couple hours and knit and chat. And we took over like the majority of the bar last year on Saturday and it was so much fun. So I don't think that there's been a time determined for that on Saturday. I don't, uh, yeah, I think everybody's still trying to fill, fi- figure out their schedules. Yeah, for working so we'll around see. classes and yeah. different, you know, appearances i hate using the word appearances it just makes my skin crawl it's not an appearance it's just they asked us to come support them and we would love (laughs) to support them because we love their work so that's why we're there we're trying to help them as indie dyers and i feel silly that they think that us being there is going to help them (laughs) because we're just gail and charlene but if you do happen to be at stitches and you hear us haven't seen us yet yeah and you hear us because people last year were recognizing us by our voice please say hi oh Oh, please, yes, please, please. please do, because a couple of people wrote us after Stitches and said that they were too shy to say hi. And I totally understand yeah, that I'm because the I'm the same yeah, way. Yeah, so am I. So. But in, <laughs> I think I said this about last year, too. If you look at us and want to say hi, but I look like I'm out in la-la land, I'm probably <laughs> high on yarn fumes <laughs> and just overwhelmed by the yarn and the yeah. colors and the this and the that. Very so, easy to have. Yeah, I may look like I'm on another planet. If you tap on my shoulder and say hi, I will usually be able to focus very well. <laughs> so <laughs> don't let my feeling or my, my look of overwhelm, overwhelmed, you know, yarn fumes stop you from saying hello. It'll probably be a good no. thing if you distract me from everything else that I see. Okay. Okay, thanks again for listening. Thanks for supporting the podcast. We really appreciate you all. And we we hope you have a great two weeks. Until the next one. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Happy knitting. You can find us on iTunes at Yarniacs Podcast. 